Hey there, I'm Alan Furstenberg. And I'm Mark Tucker. Welcome to Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Welcome back, folks. What, do we get to talk more multi vocal today? Oh, come on. You know me. I, I can't stop running my mouth about it. Um, no, in all seriousness, yes. Um, and in fact, what I, what I really am looking forward to doing this week is taking all of the concepts that I, we talked about last week that I, mm -hmm. I hope are, are kind of clear. And uh, I hope people... Uh, kind of ask some further questions about it and, you know, clarify it. I hope I've clarified anything that wasn't too clear. And I really hope that what I'm going to show you this time um, really brings out, kind of illustrates some of those points. Because I think what the CMS will let me do is really drive home some of these points. All right, let me do my best giving a summary of what we talked about last week. Okay. And, and then you can fill in some missing parts. So multivocal in the end is a webhook that is going to, to handle processing of each of our conversation turns in, in a dialogue. It, um, it's a, specifically, it is a library for webhooks. So it's a library for webhooks. So, okay, that, that makes sense. And, and in this framework, then every turn of a conversation, so every request to the service or to the, to the webhook, is going to go through this pipeline, which includes building up a configuration, figuring out which platform um, the request is coming in, doing a, a builder phase, which helps you identify which handler gets called. In the handlers, you're going to do different logic and figure out what output template's going to, to uh, result. Then there's a response section that formats the output and sends it back to um, as, as the response. And then there's a post-process phase where you can uh, do some logging or some other things. That was beautifully stated, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and if I remember right, then really the configuration is based on JSON. You can host it in Firestore and the multivocal CMS is a web front end for updating Firebase to dynamically change your configuration. You got it. All right, I'm ready to go. That makes one of us. So what we're looking at here is the kind of the top level page for looking at a particular configuration and letting us edit that configuration. And this kind of illustrates the three major things that we want to be editing in Multivocal's configuration right now. The first and the most generic one are settings. And this is, kind of just a basic JSON editor or a consistent JSON editor with a couple of extra bits to it. So I can define, for example, fields that I wanna make sure get represented. And we'll talk about quickly what flex response is later. But I can also add or edit whatever fields or values that, that I feel are important. So if I wanted to add a field called um, hated color, I could do so. You know, it's a string. And so now I've defined uh, another field that I can use elsewhere. That's just in the configuration, which means it's in the environment, which means I can use it however I want later. So what would be the path to that color, just so I, have, I understand? That's actually a really good question. It would be setting, or it would be config. You know, since it's loaded into the config, everything in here is loaded in the config. Right. It would be config setting special color. 
Got it. Since everything we're dealing in here is the configuration, it, I don't include the config part. That might yeah. be, that might make sense though to include. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, levels we've already discussed briefly, but this is where it includes some level definitions. I've got some that are, you know, hinted at by, by default. So the default ones are things that the system recommends that you set, so you can set them, and then you can add your own later. We'll look at that again in a second. The kind of real meat here are in the localized values. By default, it brings up the localized values for the undefined locale, which is kind of boring. But one of the things that this lets us do is I can say that by default, I'm gonna have, uh, if it doesn't match anything else, I can set up default responses that say, I seem to be a little bit confused. Mm -hmm. And that's good because that's kind of your catch-all for you forgot to implement any response. And while you're, you're testing, if you suddenly hear, I seem to be a little bit confused, you know that you, you forgot to define something for, for yeah. that particular language. So that can be useful. In general, and because, however, and because it's undefined and because it's like at the, this is like at the very bottom of the tree, then that will that will only happen in certain cases, but you've always got something to fall back on. Right. And again, if you go back and look at that um, that template path that we referred to before, it's going to be looking for locale first and then language and then undefined. And even then it's going to be looking for matching intents and matching actions and so forth before it gets this, you know, a, an undefined default response is way down at the bottom of the list. We'll see though how even default responses can be useful in a couple of ways, in, uh, right? When we look at here. So for example, my suffix only has one item defined for it and it's a default one. The suffix is kind of usually meant to be used for prompting. So this basically says, if I don't define any more specific prompts, then you could either ask what other color are you thinking about or tell me another color. So okay. in just about any case, no matter what the user has said or done, if I'm gonna be prompting them for something, this is the prompt I will use in English. Right. One of the other things I wanted to point out, and this was a feature that was kind of important to me, is that um, you can specify, you can, you can see some of the different locales side by side. Oh, that is handy. So if I'm setting up responses for, you know, uh, let's say I'm doing it for both English and the US version of English, I might bring them up side by side so that I can then add them to the US one as I go along and look at exactly what the equivalent one in English is and yeah. see what I want to override. Or, you know, look at the English one and bring up the French one. Or, you know, similar similar things. So having them side by side, you can have up to, to four of them side by side. Wow. And it gets a little tight, but uh, mostly I decided on four side by side because Andy got mad at me that I was only going to have two. <laughs> So I gave us four. That looks good. And if you got a big monitor, it, it you, yeah. For this though, we're going to mostly stick to just one. And this is where drilling down, we can see that we've got a bunch of possible responses listed, roughly in the order they will end up getting evaluated. Okay. 
So we have, you know, a special out tent, color blue. So apparently if, you know, we might set an out tent with the specific color that the user has talked about. And if it happens to be blue, then we've got a couple of different responses that are possible. So we might say, blue is my absolute favorite color, or I think there's something so striking about blue. Okay. But if they said some other color, let's say they said red, maybe I would also have an outtent color red or an error bad color that's set based on that setting that we set elsewhere that might set something else. Or in general though, if they've just triggered the action for a color and it didn't match blue, I might say the color you mentioned is one of my favorite colors as well, or, oh yes, green can be quite striking. And what it will do is it will pick one of these that's most appropriate. And okay. it determines most appropriateness based on what I refer to as criteria. We'll look at criteria in a second. So it could filter out some of them because they don't meet the specific criteria of the time. A lot of what I'm showing here are string or just plain strings. So the, yep. the easiest, most common thing that you'll do is you'll enter a string and it uses this string as a markdown template. So if you enter in markdown here, it handles it as markdown. It will split it off into the text and SSML versions as appropriate. Okay. But, but in some cases, you want to have something represented by markdown and you want the text to be different. So you want to show something different than what you say. Yep. So you can then get into the nitty gritty by instead of setting it as text, you can set a more detailed template. And this is where we have specific criteria that can mm -hmm. get set. So for example, under the specific condition that they have mentioned a color that is not their favorite color. So if this criteria evaluates as true, then this will also get included as one of the possible responses. All of them are still possible responses because right. there was no criteria that eliminated these, but there's criteria that includes this one. And in this case, we specifically say that the text and just the text is going to be, I don't know, I agree with you that, that this is nicer than this. You know, and I can add uh, markdown that would show something else. As S or say something else is SSML. Okay. So I can have both the text and the markdown or the text and the SSML listed here in my template. The template actually can contain anything and it applies all of the values to it. So for example, if I had recommendation buttons, suggestion chips, yep. I could put those suggestion chips either here or in the, the suffix as well. Okay. If I was, for example, setting a data object that would be passed to APL or AAPL, or a data object that would be passed to an interactive canvas, or an interactive canvas page that needed to be mentioned, I can mention them in the template as well. So anything I want goes into the template. All right, that makes sense. It's just the, the most common things are markdown which is why if you just enter a string, it's just, that, that's kind of the default. Right. Um, remember how you said, you know, you wanted a way that if 
you know, the first time they said something that didn't make any sense, I'd say one thing. And then the second time I'd say something else. Yeah. So that would be, for example, an action unknown uh, action and with a level of one, two or default. So the first time it might say, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Or can you repeat that? I didn't understand. Whereas the second time it might elaborate that a little bit more. We're talking about colors and I didn't hear a color. And then the third time it just gives up on you. And, you know, could say, I still didn't hear anything. I didn't hear a color. Hope you'll come back to play later. But notice that that first one, that's not a, a string. Yeah. So that is what I call a base setting. And we're basically saying, I'm going to set some values here that will hold true for all of the rest of the possible responses until I change something. Hmm. So remember we said there are other ways to, to kind of shortcut our conditions. Okay. We, we might set a base template with a criteria that says something that, that says uh, only do this if it's been fewer than five times and it applies for the rest of them. And then later on set another base criteria that says only do this if it's less than seven. And that, you know, the less than seven applies for the following ones instead. Okay. So it's a way to have in a single list attached to just one resource, one response type resource, a bunch of different criteria that get evaluated in order. All right, so it's a way of grouping items by a criteria. Exactly. And a way of applying, you know, it also lets you apply anything else. You know, to, you know, so for example, if I've got a bunch of items, all of which need to have the exact same AAPL data structure, instead of having to set that in each one, I set that in a base setting and it gets applied to all of the following ones. In this case, I'm saying that should close should be true. So we should close after we send this response and that's gonna be true for all of the following replies. So that's a, a base, what, what I like, I've got, wish I had better names in some cases. That's kind of a, a, base, repl- a base template that gets applied for everything else. Okay. So the other thing that, that I really like using levels for is this notion of new users, novice users, and more experienced users. Okay. And that's really exemplified in the, the welcome responses. So for our most basic users, I might say, welcome to color chat. We'll be talking about colors. What's your favorite color? Whereas, you know, once you've been around a few times, we might shorten that to welcome back to color chat. We're good to have you back. And then for even more advanced users, we could say, this is your 20th visit to color chat. And here I'm using a template function that's already been defined called ordinalize. Nice fancy word to say first, second, or third, but it does it for me and somebody else wrote it. So I didn't have to think about it. Um, And also this kind of exemplifies the fact that it's taking its value from something else in the environment. So somewhere in the environment, there is this user state num visits that multivocal automatically increments for you. And it automatically increments that for you because this is something that's really common is we want to know how often somebody's visited, so I incremented for you. All right. Um, 
you notice this is set as a, a template, not as a, a straight string. So if we look at that, we see that there's a criteria set here. And that's that if they visited more than 10 times, we'll also include this as a possible response. So instead of just making another level, we're just mm. going to say, you know, 10 times. Another thing that's, you know, we could do here is um, for every multiple of 10, we might, and only might, say something like, wow, this is your 10th visit, or, you know, play the audio that has fireworks or balloons, you know, the equivalent of yeah. uh, your birthday events, you know, having that as one of the possible criteria for the possible response is useful. So one of the things I kind of glossed over is, well, okay, how do we know when a user is a novice versus when they're brand new? And so, you know, what are, how do we define that? Yep. Well, th that's all done in the levels. Ta -ta -da. So if we go look at the, the action welcome level, we can see there are two levels defined. Level one is defined as their number of visits exactly equals one. And then the second level is if, it's, if their number of visits is less than five. Okay. And this makes it really easy to change that. But if I wanted to make it even easier, I could do something like say um, less than novice. And then over in settings, I could add a novice value. And you know, I might default it to five. Yeah. But you know, now if I wanted to change that, it's just a matter of going and changing it here to, you know, maybe we've determined that eight. We still want you to novice. keep getting those, you know, and it just, you know, so it, it, this is kind of the power of having these things just in the configuration, in the settings, letting you do whatever you want, wherever. Right. That makes sense. Okay. So we've got a lot of, lot of responses here, uh, a lot of possible things to see. And also it handles, you know, what do you say when you quit? I guess the next big question is, how much code is there that does this, right? <laughs> so we can we can kind of see what happens is the user yeah. when they when they show up, they'll they'll be prompted for what's your favorite color, and they'll say a color, and it's going to respond with some message, and then it's going to prompt you for tell me another color, what other color are you thinking about, and it'll just keep doing this and and you know replying with colors. Okay. So how much code do you think this is going to take? Well, I think I have a little bit more insight than most people. Because you've looked at this code already. <laughs> or I've done something similar someplace else. <laughs> so um, I would think that, well, one, you'd have to have some code that would load the configuration. Uh-huh. And then you would have to have some code. I don't know. It's called some sort of a method that says... Multivocal, do your thing. Uh huh. And then get the response and return the response. I don't know. So, okay. Five, maybe. It's a little bit more than that because we've also got a handler and a builder in there. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I was thinking specifically about the. Yep. So, but so, so you're correct. We've got one line. So, so we've got uh, two imports. Okay. We've got one line that loads our configuration. Yeah. 
here on 37, and one line that says, go process this. All right, so, and that's the part that I was talking about. So what right. else, and, and that's, if, if that's all you had and everything was already defined as part of like the base config, that's really all you'd need, right? And, and you know, if, if you are doing a simple hello world, the simplest hello world in multivocal is about four lines long. Okay, so that's, that's what I was thinking. Yep. All right, so tell, talk about what else we got. So in particular, we're doing, we've got a builder and a handler here. Okay. One of which is going to, you know, we, we saw in our responses, we referred to, a, we referred to color somewhere. And we refer to favorite color. Okay. Both of those are handled as part of the builder. And then we've, we saw that we refer to an outtent in some cases. And that's being handled as part of uh, a handler. Okay. And if we were doing things like you know, we, we wanted to get the hex RGB value from a, a call, that would also be done in the handler. But I didn't do that. Right. So a builder and a handler. Let's look at the builder quickly. The builder is, uh, what is that there? About 15 lines. It takes our environment. Okay. It looks for a parameter named color. And that parameter is a, a slot. It also then looks in our user state, what it saved for the user's favorite color. So and that since it's at the user level, that could have been an, a previous session, a, you know, another day, previous Correct. session. Yep. Okay. If it doesn't find a favorite color, but it did find a color, well, obviously that was our favorite color because we're talking about it. So we'll both, uh, so, so let's go save that in our environment, save that in the user state as their favorite color. Okay. And then we're going to store in our environment, both what the color and the favorite color are. So here we've gone and, and taken something from a parameter and built a bunch of other values around it, saving them in the environment in various places, either in the user or in the, the top level of the environment to access it conveniently later. Okay. So that's our builder, which we registered in one line. We've also added a handler, which will only happen for the color action an action handler for color. And handle color is in some ways even simpler. It goes and looks, uh, what color did they set? We get that out of the environment and we create an outtent. We save in, in the outtent in the environment, uh, the string, outtent.color.whatever. Okay. So if in our configuration, there is an their color then it will use that. Otherwise it's gonna use probably action color or whatever, well, yeah, action color because that's what was triggered for this handler. And then of course, we're gonna go through the handle default which goes back to looking at all of these uh, localized mm -hmm. values and picking one of them. Okay. And that's the code. Wow. So all of the stuff about what do you say with the first time they join? You don't write anything. There's no code for that. It's all handled in the configuration. Right. You know, if it triggers a fallback intent or, you know, the, the unknown handled in the configuration. 
our code is specifically focused on places where we need to apply some kind of logic. I have a question. Okay. It's, it's, the, it's um, comparing, I guess, 25 and 26 would be the best places to look at it. Okay. It, probably, it actually happened up in the builder, but those are probably good enough locations. So I understand when you're setting or getting something from the environment, you're providing a path and you're getting the value back. Yep. An environment is the, the, the object that you're looking for that path on. Yes. The environment is this thing that we've handed, that we always hand around. And we look in there for some setting. We look in there as a, as a path. Now, is the, is the um, environment.color on 25 and wherever that is up in the builder where we actually set environment.color? Yep. Yeah, 17. Is that just a convenience? Is that is that in essence, since the environment gets rebuilt, since our conversations are stateless except for the state that we've stored. And so in essence, the the pipeline that is multivocal is stateless, then because you're not like storing it at the at, right. in the, at, the at that level, but so is, is adding something to the environment at that level as opposed to adding it on a path, just a shortcut for saying just for just the rest of this request um, yes. that I'm just going to st stuff it here um, and it's just going to go away. But I'm, I wanna, if I want it to persist per a session or for the user, then I want to make sure that I put it in a location and a path. Right, exactly. Okay. So, so the environment is rebuilt every time. Every request that comes into the webhook, build a yeah. brand new environment okay. and you'll populate it. There are some things that it gets populated with that were persisted from before. So for example, user state is something that it loads on the Google platform, for example, it loads user state out of the user object that came in in the request. Okay. On Alexa, it would have to load that in from a database somewhere. Right. Um, if I saved it to session state instead in both platforms, and I think it's actually called session slash state, it would get saved and then reloaded into session state the next time. Okay. One of the things that I could, uh, could have done here, for example, is instead of just saying um, this, this convenience function, OBJ path, that actually takes a list of paths. So I, this is where I could say, look for it here. And if I don't find it here, look for it somewhere else. And if I don't find it there, look for it somewhere else. Okay. But and that's that, typically work that, that's, that, that work is typically done with the configuration to do those rules, but you can, right. you can well, choose to do that there. there. There is an even more convenient function, which I don't have outlined in this example, which basically says, go to the configuration at this path and return the value based on the rules that are specified there. Okay, that makes sense. And those rules are look through this set of paths, picking the first one that has a value. And if you don't find it there, use this value for a default. Okay. All right, that makes sense. So, so, so you know, just throwing something on environment dot some value that's not one of those root values. Right. Or not, not, not accessing it through a getter set object function. The, the, um, it's just the getter, a convenience. It's actually the, the getter set function that is the convenience part. Okay. Because what this will do is, um, again, OBJ path refers to it as a, as a path. So it's the equivalent of question mark dot. 
you know, okay. I, so this, I could, uh, this line could be easily represented as env question mark dot user question mark dot state question mark dot favorite color. I see. Okay. They're equivalent. All right. That clears it up. So if, if I had chosen down on line 17 and to call something env.user, I could mess things up. Well, so here's the thing. One of the conventions that I've established with multivocal is any part of the path with exceptions, there are a couple of exceptions, but any part of the path that starts with an uppercase character is reserved for multivocal. Oh, okay. Anything that starts with a lowercase with a couple of exceptions, you're free to use. So if I had something user with a lowercase u, you're fine. Okay. User with All an right. uppercase u, I reserve. All right. See, this is the kind of nitty gritty that is a developer. Right. I'm like, okay, I know what's going on now. Right. Um, and, and some of the exceptions are, usually they're exceptions where they make sense. So for example, you'll notice uh, in here, the languages all start with lowercase, mm -hmm. even though they're kind of reserved by the system. Yeah. That's because those are the standards. I mean, the standard says yeah. it's lowercase en. And I'm not going to override somebody else's standard. Yeah, but it's but it's it's usually included somewhere that's already, you know, on a path that started that originally started with an uppercase. So. Right. Right. And and they're in places where it makes sense. The other thing, of course, is that you can use uppercase. It's not that you're forbidden from using uppercase, just that uh, multivocal defines what some of those mean. So for example, all of these response names start with uppercase. Yeah. But that's because I've defined that multivocal is expecting it to start with capital A action. And if you use lowercase action, it treats it as an outtent instead. Oh, okay. Because remember, outtents can be anything. Yeah, that's true. Well, very uh, cool. So we have, we have a little bit of time. I kind of want to address one thing that um, kind of illustrates something that I think is pretty cool about how some of the responses work. And I don't know how well you can see that. This is, yeah. this is based on a message that, that Peter, Peter Nan posted. Um, Responding to the episode about Sanity IO. Oh, okay. Um, and basically saying he loved what you were doing, if you hadn't read it before. Um, one of the things that he comments on is uh, that you, you talked about bots, the bot response having three parts. And he builds all of his stuff as having three parts. So responses are built of an intro or a reaction or a segue, followed by the information followed by a question. And I saw that and I thought that was kind of amusing because multivocal <laughs> has two parts. Yeah, It's got the response and the suffix. And so I thought about it for a couple of seconds and I said, well, you know, if you really wanted to, it's not too hard to emulate that as three parts using multivocal. So let's see if we can quickly do that. Okay, let's do. So in the settings, what we would do is we would have a flex response. Uh, and the flex response targets would need to be an array. And this defines 
how it does that response processing. Okay. So, so which fields, instead of using the string response, what other fields is it expecting there? So first, it may look for something called, uh, let's just call it okay, because this is where we would say, okay, you know, just the, the quick response or the, the quick lead in, the hook. Yeah. And then something we might call info, where we're presenting the actual info. Okay. And then we would build those into our actual response. So when we go back to the localized value screen, we see that it's got the all of the possible things that we specified in flex response. Okay. So now we can, for each of these, define the possible intent action outtents that each one would apply to. So for example, we'll need an object here. And uh, we could say by default, and we need another, uh, by default, we might say a couple of nice lead-in prompts here. So this is where we'd say, okay. Right. Or maybe we might say, you know, and, and this one always bugs me. So, or, you know, one that I say, I probably said a billion times tonight. Um, um. <laughs> And those would be our, our default kind of prompts. And so then we, we would do the same thing for like the info section or? Yes, but a little bit different here. So for example, okay. in info, we would have, again, we'd have an object, but here we might put in something like, uh, this is where, you know, uh, action answer would be. So for uh, the, so when we were handling uh, an answer, we might come up with some replies like, uh, you know, obviously I don't have a handler itself. So yeah. this is kind of illustrative, you know, but I might say, I think it is answer, or I might say, Looks like answer, or you know, yeah. I come up with five or some, ver some variations, yeah. So. Right, but what this also means is that for um, you know, if I had a uh, an error condition. I could again define it and say, come on, string, there we go. Okay. Or, you know, an additional one that says maybe match, you know, whatever. So, 
what we then kind of want to be able to say is put them together. Yeah. So that, you know, sometimes I'll have hit this error condition and sometimes I'll have an answer, but either way, I want to lead off with this, you know, this, uh, okay prompt. Yeah. And what we'd have in response, uh, again, we'd need an object defining our default response. And we only need one default response in this case. Yeah. Because it's just going to be putting the two of them together. So it's going to by saying, okay, text followed by info text. So, you know, you, you've modeled it a little bit different, but for example, if I have like intro message prompt, the prompt is already the suffix, and you just found a way to combine intro and message into response. Yeah. So then response then gets concatenated together with the prompt or the suffix in your case. And so now you have a complete message. So the, and the powerful thing in my mind to this is the fact that this is all configuration. You, this was a concept right. that you came up with later and decided to go ahead and add configuration. Those, those things that are already built will work the way that they are. But for those things going forward that have these three, you know, right. three-tiered responses, it's going to just work for those as well. Right. You know, this and, also and no code. Exactly. You know, this also lets us do things like, you know, if I wanted to um, put in here that my default response, my my all of my responses have background music to them. Mm -hmm. And I was doing it using Google's. SSML background music, I could put in some very complicated SSML in the response part. Yep. But the text fields all get determined up above, and maybe even the background music gets determined in a previous part of this. Yeah. So, you know, I'd have something that, you know, just determines and sets what background music, and that's just in this configuration section. I don't need to build code for it. I don't need to build a builder for it. Mm -hmm. It's just something that I can set here as possible options. Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. And I could even say things like, if you're thinking of something that's telling you the results of the stock market today, I can now say, okay, if the market was up, play this music. If the market is down, play this music. And that's just criteria that I build in here. Right. Then have some text that says what I'm talking about and then put everything together. Yeah. And I think, you know, being able to, to build a, a big message out of smaller parts that are built out of other smaller parts, none of which required a lot of code to write. Yeah. I think that's pretty powerful. That is pretty powerful. So that's kind of, I, you know, I kind of hope that gives a taste of where, what the CMS is trying to do and how it's trying to make things easier for everybody. Yeah. And trying to put things together. Yeah, and I can see um, like one, and this might be a, a, a developer would do a lot of setting up the configuration. Yes. Um, and then have a section on the CMS where content creators are just filling in values. Yes. For things. And, and one of the things that I kind of am aiming for 
with multivocal. It's not quite there yet, but one that I'm aiming for is that all of these pages are configurable. And by configurable, I do mean in a configuration file. Oh, wow, yeah. You know, they're not all completely so. Configuration all the way down. It's really, you know, I try to make configuration all the way down. So, you know, the... This, this list of what shows up in settings, that's in a configuration file. If you had other settings that are important to you, you would edit the configuration file to add additional fields. And maybe you'd define what types those fields needed to be. And think, think way into the, the future, kind of to the WordPress and widgets. It's like, yeah. okay, now there's a place where I can click a button and install a widget, which is really just going to be a series of configurations right? and, I mean, a, the, and, a, and a web UI to edit the, the, the content. Right. So, so the other thing that kind of goes here is that right now, kind of what I'm picturing is you can write additional, these kinds of pages and lay out what they look like. Right. And you might want to lay out a particular page that looks different. It has, you know, a, a particular collection of stuff and you've coordinated how those numbers change in relation to each other. Right. You write that page, you set the configuration to point to that page for this path. And it just works. Nice. With, you know, for wishful thinking of just works. <laughs> but, but that's kind of the long-term vision is that, no. yeah. again, as much that can be configuration is configuration. And for a couple of things that need to be code, you write the code. Yeah. So that's kind of my vision for where multivocal is going and where the CMS fits in. And, right. you know, I feel like there are a lot of things in the CMS where you kind of started to get the taste of these are predefined object types that the CMS simplifies as much as possible. Right. Like that, that the, the template object that has, um, you know, a base setting and a should close setting and a criteria. Criteria is a complicated concept. Yeah. So I want to be able to make uh, entry widgets that simplify that as much as possible. Can't completely do so, but I feel like it can be a hell of a lot easier than it is now. Yeah. It's well, and it, it's a start though. This is, you know, what is it? A month ago, I, I can't remember when we started. There yeah, was, was no UI to no. multivocal, right? There, so there was no. This was purely a a. Yeah, you know, you can do this. <laughs> um, but this really, I, I hope this gave people a, a taste for both what multivocal is and why it's so powerful. Yep. And then starting to see the UI that will help you really unleash that power. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty cool. Well, thank you for showing us uh, a tour. Uh, today was Under the Hood. Of uh, of you know what it takes to set up configuration with the web UI as well as uh, what code you know the less than fifty lines of code to create your your starter uh, project and add a a builder and a handler and just kind of how everything fits together. So I really want to hear feedback on it. You know, Peter's feedback, for example. Um, a told me I was kind of on the right track of response yep. and suffix, but also said what else can be done? How can we do this better in some cases? And I think we've illustrated that there are certainly ways that we can mimic that and empower you to do that. Well, and what's interesting is like, um, 
with a content management system, we're showing that you can set up a lot of stuff um, outside of code. You know, not not say that we, this is a no code tool. Um, and and you know, and I'm definitely not knocking no code tools. I've got respect for a number of ones that are out there, um, but they're hard. But, you know, yeah, it's it's hard to 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 build and 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 maintain. And as as things change, um, like new new you know, platforms to to write um, assistance and and apps for, um, it just gets more complicated. And and you know something like this pushes more of the not necessarily the burden or work, but more of the choices and the uh, flexibility outside of the code where things can, you know, be changed quickly or experimented upon and, yeah. and things without uh, involving any of the code changes and the time no, and expense that, required for that. That's an excellent point. Yeah. So, so thank you for, uh, for indulging me with this. This has been, this has been a fun exploration. Yeah. And you've been invaluable in helping shape some of the ideas that I, you know, have been going into some of this. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate others. You know, I, I really am looking forward to more feedback on this as, uh, as we move forward. And we can uh, talk about that in your office hours or on uh, social media or on a future version of Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Thanks, everyone. Thanks again, Mark. Have a yeah, good you're week. You're welcome. Yep, you too. Take care.